to keep us in the right place. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and thank you, Lord, for all your great, wonderful deeds, O Lord, your renown in all the earth. The whole universe knows, Father, who you are. Because you created matter. You created, Lord, everything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, I pray, in this hour. Strengthen our hearts. Strengthen the minds, the bodies of your people to the word that can work through every situation and even to the dividing, dividing us under joints and marrow. You're able to revive us. I thank you for reviving us. I thank you for comforting those, Father, who are under great stress, who are under sadness, who are under fear and doubt. These things cannot remain when you show up, Lord. Oh, my God, you bring the dead back to life, the Lord of the resurrection and life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You are strength. Thank you, Father. We praise you. Your mercy endures forever. Your love endures forever. You are good. Your love endures forever. We thank you and praise you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise be to God. Praise God. As I let Stanley and Prashad know, family prayer got a little bit longer than usual. Hence the delay for me joining this morning. God is good. As I mentioned yesterday, God is present where two or three are gathered in His name and our eyes are on the Lord. And as each one prays, God hears. Each one worships in spirit and truth. God comes down. May we open our hearts to the Word of God today. We're in Proverbs 31. Came to the last proverb of the book. These proverbs are collections, much of them from Solomon, others, the men of Hezekiah. You have some here that are written by other people that God has seen fit to record and to use for the church of God. The church of God in the wilderness, Israel, and they became a nation and had a kingdom and for the church of God today all through the same avenue faith in the Redeemer, the Messiah and these words are profitable for us to hear Proverbs 31 I want to give opportunity for some of you to read the word of God out loud it's a blessing it's a privilege 31 verses in this 31st chapter of Proverbs. I can divide it into four. Four of you can read. Uh, three of you can read seven verses. Come and read one through seven, then eight through fourteen or fifteen. Seven verses, three people, seven verses each, and then the last one can read 10 verses to finish the chapter let's hear the word of God please make sure your connection is good make sure you can speak loud enough and clear enough and slow enough so we can really hear can yes. you hear me is that yes I just have to raise my volume here a little bit for me it's okay Jeff okay 
Psalm 31. The words of King Lamel, the utterance which his mother taught him. Uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 31. Yes. Praise God. The words of King Lamel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son? And what, son of my womb? And what, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lamel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Lest they drink and forget the law, pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing, and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Proverbs 31, New King James Version. Let him drink and forget and remember his misery no more. Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is the merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. Proverbs 31, New Living Translation, verse 15. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plans the day's work for her servant girl. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor, and open her arms to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household, and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Proverbs that is dedicated mainly to describing a godly woman. And as we're coming up on Mother's Day, certainly is appropriate that we 
are looking at this. It's talking about a wife and a mother. But before that, in the opening verses, we see the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. A message, as it says in the New Living Translation. It's not just any message, it's a profound message. The words of wisdom. What do mothers teach their children today? In an extreme scenario, there's a man who professes Christianity today who is part of a terrorist group in the Middle East. And he said, when he grew up, even when he was seven years old, he can remember at the breakfast table, while his mother was lovingly giving him breakfast, she would drill it into his seven-year-old mind, the greatest honor is to kill a Jew. Doing the right things to help his education, his clothing, really loved that child proud of the child, building up the child while giving him breakfast, while he's eating, while she's feeding him with a, a spoon that he's feeding or with her hand, however they fed the children there. Giving him an oracle from hell, a message. It's good food for you. It's going to nourish you, make you a strong boy. Look at your dad. I want you to be like your dad. Isn't he wonderful? Who is the dad? He was the founder of, or co-founder of Hamas, terrorist group. Went about destroying lives, Jewish lives. And this child is taught by the mother, the greatest honor of my baby boy, as you're eating your Wheaties, so to speak, is to go find a Jew when you grow up and kill him. A mother's message can have a far-reaching effect on the child's life. People have said that teachers have had that effect. Many, many people who are even very famous, they remember their teachers, and usually it's in the, in the kindergarten or elementary level, and they have mentioned how the words of a teacher, a whole bunch of classes, students shuffling in, shuffling out of class in schools, but the impact of the words, or one remark or even one look, is either made or broken. It can either make or break the child's will and even serve to determine the destiny because it can affect them psychologically, spiritually. This was a good mother and certainly this mother of this king spoke wisdom from God, not the sensual, demonic, so-called wisdom of this world. The extreme case is not the only one that needs to be mentioned, of course. Many, many mothers, like fathers, especially coming from my culture, ethnically, the drive is, and I would suppose many cultures, 
Not so much in our home, thankfully, because we did have some fear of God. The parents did know to the, the Lord to some extent, and they did know the value of seeking God. Not perfectly, but the drive generally is you have to make sure you have the dollar. You've got to make sure you've got money. You've got to make sure you have whatever it takes to get money because image is important. I remember being in the Christian school, morning devotions, one of the teachers got up. She's Italian descent. And she was giving a devotion and she said, you know, in my family, image is everything. You've got to look good. You've got to appear good. No matter what, you've got to look good in front of other people. It's a shame for people to think that you don't have or you can't do or you don't, you're, you are not. Image. And so a mother, a father in this world pushes that on the child because of insecurity within themselves. Their value system is completely twisted. And what they've been handed down from their parents and from society, from their friends, from the media, from their own fallen minds, is that my day will be good. It'll go good if other people respect me and love me and say nice things about me. And if they don't, it's going to be the flight or fight syndrome. I'm either going to run away from people, be secluded, It'll just be me, myself, and I, the three of us. No problem. It's not the truth, actually. People have eruptions within themselves. Psychological and spiritual schizophrenia happens. So even if one is secluded and they think, I'll just be with the animals in nature, the problem continues because it's a matter of the heart. Only God can heal the heart and give the true security that comes from the blood of Jesus. Another one says, I'm going to fight the people. I'm not going to run away. I'm going to stand my ground and make them respect me. How? Be violent. Build big muscles. Gather a gang around me. Have money. Money is power, isn't it? So they say, whatever it takes, I want that respect. And when I snap my fingers... The axe is going to fall. A lady testified in a fairly large church in Connecticut. She was a Wall Street executive. She said her life was just going on the up and up financially. She made it to the top. She was so ambitious. She said, I used to get up early in the morning, take that commuter train from Connecticut to Grand Central, go to my posh office. I was the boss she said, I enjoyed picking up the phone, literally snapping my fingers and having the axe fall on people, losing their jobs. They can cry and weep. I'm the one in power. Until the Lord got a hold of her heart. She saw how ugly she was and what kind of life she actually spiraled down to. These are the messages that can come from parents who are trapped and what do you suppose that mother, that executive, would be teaching her children? 
even if she takes the children to Christian school and church, by her life and her values, children, as we all know, they watch and hear everything. They don't know exactly what the real state of affairs is in the parent's heart, especially a mother, with relation to Proverbs 31. This mother told the king, who, after all, the king has everything at his disposal. Usually, a monarch back then was like God. People's lives were held in the balance, depending upon his smile or his frown. If a king was not happy with somebody that came in, and he frowned, or he gave a signal to the guards around him, sometimes they would just walk up to the guest that came in, or subject, and put a bag over the person's head, which means execution is coming. So you realize this mother is talking to a king who has at his disposal anything and everything he would desire. The mother is not moved by the stature of her son socially. She's not moved by his power. Practically speaking, although she's the mother of the king, he's the one in power. Just like Solomon with Bathsheba, his mother, when Adonijah wanted the throne. And she came and asked, and he said, Mother, I give you, just ask me. But when the request was evil, he told his mother, My half-brother's head is hanging in the balance by what he asked. He's actually asking for my kingdom. The power belongs to King Lemuel, not his mother, but she has spiritual authority and power. Notice what she says. She taught him, O my son, O son of my womb. I wouldn't imagine that this was a king who was a child, a prince, says a king after all. And also she wouldn't be talking about women to a young child. So he has assumed the throne or is waiting to assume the throne. But she's not moved by any of that. O oh, my son, O oh, son of my womb, O oh, son of my vows, do not waste your strength on women. She made a dedication. She was a woman who was dedicated to God and dedicated to raising her children, even a king, according to wisdom. She said, don't give your strength to loose women, to immorality. Don't spread yourself out. The world says the more the merrier. Drink and sin while you can. Live it up. As the Apostle Paul said, if that's the case, eat and drink today, tomorrow we die. Live it up. Why not? It's actually practical and uh, wise in a demonic way if the fact is there is no resurrection, there is no tomorrow after death, there is no afterlife, there is no accountability. It's the most practical thing to do whatever you feel like while you have time. Why not? Why not pursue a hedonistic, narcissistic, narcissistic life? 
a narcissistic life. All about me, what I can get. Isn't that what the world does? Because that's their understanding. Seems wise, but it's utter foolishness because it's not based on truth. As we read in Ecclesiastes in Life Training School last time, as I posted, every secret work will be brought to the judgment seat of God. Every single thing. This mother, obviously, has a dedication to God and a commitment, not only to live right, but to teach right by example and instruction to this king who's going to rule, obviously, a kingdom. And she understands the gravity of it. Not only is my boy's life, my son's life at stake, his whole kingdom full of people, who knows how many people, their lives are at stake because he's the ruler. If he's not right, their lives will be in jeopardy. Wouldn't you think she understood that? Being a woman who feared God especially, she cared. People of this world, most mothers, do not care about the neighbors, other people's children. They're into themselves. Me, my boy, my girl. As I've observed, even growing up, the schoolyard and any many mothers coming with baby carriages and holding hands with the toddlers and the older ones with the heavy makeup they come image is very important and which father which man is coming there of another child and who they can talk to and even gossip among the women the entire value system, the mind is off following the desires of the devil. Image. Consequently, what do you see? Especially in this nation, compared to other nations, the educational achievement is very low in spite of the tremendous resources and wealth. And this is typical of mothers and fathers and children who grew up in a godless society to waste all that God gives, no matter how much He gives. Because their eyes are upon image and what they can do to feel good. This woman said, first of all, don't be immoral, my son. Don't give your ways to those who can ruin and destroy kings. Do you understand? My unmarried son, king if you end up with the wrong woman she will destroy you how many of us have seen that the persuasion the persuasive ability of Delilah to destroy a man of God even because he fell for it how many mothers do you suppose in the church of Jesus Christ, whether in the United States or in Europe or Asia, wherever, would actually take the time to say, you know what, the Lord has recorded in the scriptures. If the king needs to hear that, how much more my child who's who? I'm grooming him to be a royal priest of God by the blood of Jesus a part of a holy nation we are a peculiar 
people to treasure to God. A chosen generation. Shouldn't I tell my boys and girls whatever God has given to be very careful of immorality because it will destroy your life? How many people do you think in the churches really take the time to instruct the children? Not too many, apparently, because many, many people in the churches, young people especially, and older people, no sense of morals, nothing. We have someone on the call this morning who told us she went to a large church, fairly large church with a large youth group. And people, the kids, adolescents, 20-something-year-olds, all sleeping around. But the program is great. Wonderful worship. I don't know what they have. Hillsong or whatever it is going on. Everything's great. The program is bustling. It's just, you know, we got a new recruit today. They just love it. Well, no wonder they love it. If you can live as you please and go to church, why not? But God is not there and destruction is happening. It's our responsibility to understand the gravity of the sin of immorality and fornication adultery, to know it kills. In every way imaginable, it kills the mind, the conscience, the body. Some of us have experienced that on various levels, just by watching media. The thoughts and the, the persuasion that comes from the prince of the power of the air through the media, through a little sitcom, the multitude of thoughts that can come in to set off a fire, they can burn up the home. In Proverbs 6, 5, 6, and 7, you see that. Can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? It's impossible. This mother is so wise... She's not interested in, you need to go to Harvard. you got to get a job. You have to make a name for yourself. I don't care about money or anything, but I want my son to be in lights. His name has to be in lights. He's got to be the senator. He's got to be this. He's got to be that. And if he can be an actor, maybe he can meet one of my idols and fall into the pit with that idol. As long as my son's name is there. What happens? Give me the money. You live like the devil. I live like the devil. We all go to hell together. This is exactly how people live. In various ways, the expression is there in the life. God is making a clear distinction between darkness and light that which is profane and ungodly and holiness, not only ought we to be crystal clear on which side we're on and be dedicated to that, then we can have the dedication to instill it into our children. This is the priority, not what you got in your science quiz or your language arts or your math, your report card. No, Johnny did good. Yeah, he's got in his 80s. Well, my son Victor got 99 
I'm going to take him for pizza and I'm going to take him to this house and that house and we're going to have a great time. And It's just a waste of life with the TV and the media and going through the motion and a big gasp. Oh, I don't know what to do. He's acting up again. He wants this, he wants that. He did do well. Talk to this girlfriend, that girlfriend, that relative. Wasting time. Instead of understanding what life is about, making sure the children that are entrusted to my care are able to be given back to God, as Hannah did, with a pure dedication to glorify God. How do we do that? We don't have temples. We can't go and give a child in the temple and say, Lord, I want him to serve you that way, but we can by giving the word continuously and watching very, very keenly, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, to make sure no ungodly element is going to come through to the child that's under my care, not on my watch. How many Christians do you know? How many Christian mothers actually have that kind of drive? From all that I've seen, very, very little. Because the word is not in them. And if they claim to have it, there's no fear of God. It's been diluted. It's been twisted. It's been, it's been uh, taken under their own scrutiny, their own assessment. And there's a reprioritization happening, not according to God's spirit, but according to what they feel and what their people say in the churches and their leaders. Image, image, image. If we don't send the image to hell, the image will take us to hell. We need to look good in front of God. And He's not hard to please, not at all. He's a good Father. He says, My daughter, your mother, come to me. I'll show you exactly how to raise your children to glorify me and honor me. And your heart will be so glad at the end of your life that you raise children to honor God and their precious gems that will shine and blaze in eternity with the glory of God. How many Christians do you know when another child is born talk just like the world another hungry mouth to feed and now I got to get diapers and this how precious the soul is. Psalm 139 we all know so wonderfully God has formed us, marvelously in the womb. Everyone is precious. People have said often, even the animals take better care of their offspring than human beings many times. That's the truth. To what have we degenerated to? Well, we need to hear this because we always need to have context, context, context. Otherwise, we won't understand how important it is to be on guard and do the right thing. Isn't that right? Unless the warning signs are there on the road, we think we can do anything we, we want. Because there's no warning. Then when something happens, we'll be quick to claim ignorance to the judge and to the trooper. But they'll say, but the law is there. You didn't familiarize yourself with it. It's for your own good. Don't give your strength to women. Brackis the Amplified says loose women. 
nor your ways to those who and that which ruin and destroy kings. It is not for you, not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. So the first thing she mentions is, watch your body and your desires, your natural God-given human desires, make sure they're bridled and kept in self-control. Otherwise, they will lead you to people who the devil will prop up to destroy your life and take you to hell. She said destroy kings, not make them uh, ineffective for a season and then you can come back. Proverbs 6.32 Somebody please turn to that and read that for us in context of what we're hearing here. Father. Proverbs 6, verse 32, But whoso committed adultery with a woman lacketh understanding. He that doeth it destroyeth his own soul. Notice the word destroy again. That's how dangerous it is. Can we afford to be lax on that? Keeping ourselves, praise God, God is sanctifying the church, especially here, in a mighty way. But my dear brothers and sisters, we must be keen, whether you're mother or mother-to-be or you like to have children, that what fear of God has been my privilege to esteem and espouse and to keep, that's keeping me. I've got to transfer that, just like that, with no dilution to my kids, my children. God expects that. That's where a lot of good people fail. Good, relatively speaking, in that they're watching themselves and they do have the fear of God, but the wisdom has not permeated their understanding to the point where they realize how critical it is for them to transfer that fear of God and reverence for God, knowledge of these things that can destroy lives, exactly as they received it to the children. There's something that is continuously on my heart and I speak to our family here, Pastor and I, to the children. We tell them because not only are we concerned with our children, as we observe, even in church history, perhaps in your own circles, good people who fail to have the fire of God transferred to the children and we have a large influence in that, the successive generations can degenerate, just like in the book of Judges. I don't want to see my children's children get a diluted version of the Word of God or the fear of God. What can I do? I'm not the parent of my children's children, the grandparent of the Lord Terry's. My prayers 
and my conveyance of God's truth should be so powerful with the warnings of what can happen to their children as you observe even in scripture and in life. That my children are aware that they have an equal responsibility for their children if the Lord should give them children. And he tarries. That they've got to warn their children too. That if the Lord tarries, when you children, children of my children, become fathers and mothers, you make sure you do your part. Not only by safeguarding yourself, but warning, just like this woman did. This noble woman. She didn't say, my boy's boy's a good boy. He's been with me all my life. He knows how I live. Paul not only showed by example, he taught. He not only taught. He said, did you observe how we lived? But he also said, take heed to what I told you. Make sure you read the word. Don't neglect it, Timothy. And shut the mouths of people who come to subvert the truth. Look at the responsibility, beloved. Can we afford to be casual? What a privilege. God says, be a soldier, be vigilant. Be like a hawk, like an eagle. To do your part. God's way is very precise. He doesn't do anything haphazardly or in a slipshoddy way. He has an objective and he does exactly what he needs to do to meet that objective. We are made in his image and we're restored by the blood of Jesus. You are a prince and a princess in the kingdom of God. So am I. A kingdom of priests. What an awesome privilege that I can actually have the ability by God's divine plan to transfer to a large extent the godliness that I have to my children through example, instruction, and prayer. Is it valuable to you? Of how much value is the instruction that you're hearing? That will determine whether you act upon it or not and in which way you act. To what extent? This mother did not mince words. She told them straight up directly. She didn't say, oh, you made it. Now you're the king and we can go on trips paid for by the people. And anything, you want pizza today, son? Oh, you have all the bakers in your kingdom at your disposal. You can have the pizzeria right here. And I like cheese too, so make sure you send mommy some. She wasn't into that. She was a holy woman, godly woman, who cared about the soul of her son, knew what's at stake in a whole kingdom, a generation of people. Do you know your children can influence a whole generation of people? What are you doing to prepare them for that? And what kind of effect would you like them to have? For good or evil? By default, mark this carefully. If we do not give them the word of God and transfer the fire of the Holy Spirit by the grace of God, by default they will become evil. You don't have to train them to do evil. By default they will continue in evil and get worse and worse. Which means all the more we need to be very vigilant and very industrious, diligent to make sure that the children or whoever is under my care get the word of God and love, yes, love has to be there. But do not allow a mushy kind of love to come and blunt 
the edge of the sword that is sharper than a double-edged sword. Do you know we have the capacity to nullify the word of God? As the Lord told his fellow Jews, you've got all these commandments, this rabbi and that rabbi and I follow this and that. He said, do you realize with all your teaching that is supposed to be scriptural and doctrinal, traditional, you're actually nullifying the word of God that can save you? I don't want to be guilty of that. I hope you don't either. I fear the Lord. I love the Lord. Why would I ever want to nullify and blunt, try to make ineffective the word of God, which is sharp, powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to pierce, divide joints and marrow, soul and spirit, uncover the human heart so that it can be diagnosed properly and healed and blessed and strengthened and edified. I don't want to do that. That's repulsive to me. I hate that. We want to love God and say, Lord, what a privilege. I can give it exactly as you gave it to me, Lord. I'm going to surround myself not with lukewarm Christians and people who dilute the word and tell me you can dance in clubs. Who told you you can't dance in clubs? Those legalists. Who told you you can't have a little bit of wine? I don't know what cult you're part of. You better get away from there quick. Looks to me like they're trying to control your life. Maybe they're Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or some new cult. Your pastor said, what? He said, you shouldn't drink? Well, that's almost blasphemy because God made the grapes. And he gave us the technology to ferment it. Everybody needs to have a good time. We need to unwind. Yeah, the God who made the wonderful grapes is the same God who said, don't misuse it. Just like anything else he's made in creation. We've already read in Proverbs. It's a fool who go after strong drink. And here, the mother is telling the king, first of all, don't be loose. And don't hang out with loose people. Watch yourself. It can destroy you. Being a man, the question is, especially watch out for women. Same thing goes for women. God says, be wise. You used to be tricked and deceived by your own lusts and other people's manipulation. No more. You're a holy temple for God. The life that you have is a glorious life. We don't need to sin. Sin destroys it always comes camouflaged as something that is satisfying and enticing. But it's evil, it's poison. So he, she talks about this to her son, her wonderful mother. Secondly, she says, don't drink wine. It's a sin, actually. It's not wise, it's foolishness for rulers to desire strong drink. What is that? Anything fermented. Why? She explains it. She doesn't just say, I'm going to hand the law down to you, my boy. Don't be a fornicator, adulterer, and don't drink. That's it. She said, my, my boy, my son, son of my womb, I love you. My baby, I love you too much not to tell you the truth. Mommy fears God. and I raised you that way. 
But let me tell you some very critical things, especially before you embark on your career, your life, and you go out into the world. Be pure in heart and in your body. And she gives the reason. Because if you don't, it will ruin you and destroy your life. Do you understand me? Look at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. If you don't heed what I tell you, it will destroy you. You don't want that. I love you. God loves you. You have a great future ahead. It's not just drugs. Drinking too much and make sure you're able to function. I hope it's a Christian girl you're hanging out with. I can't wait for my son to get married. Yeah, they're fornicating, but everybody does it. Isn't it right? After all, it's the 21st century. Oh, my boy is very, very good. He holds hands with his girlfriend and they don't do anything else. How do you know? He told me so. How many people would like to pull the wool over their own eyes? They know the propensity of the human body and human mind. They're fooling themselves. Setting the children up for not only moral failure, but destruction of their soul. We're spelling it out this morning by the grace of God because this is exactly what I've heard, what I've seen with my own eyes. Many, many so-called spirit-filled, Bible-believing churches and groups. Who are they fooling? Themselves. Who are they destroying? Themselves and their children. We live in an age in these last days, when it's whatever you feel like, as I say over and over again, don't judge me or I'll leave your church. I won't be your friend. Can't you see I'm not judging you? Can't you give me at least that much? Everybody will go to the judgment seat of God one day. That's the problem. I should say, that's the privilege to be able to stand before him and say, Lord, I was faithful to you. I refuse to be an Eli. My sons, please, you shouldn't be. What are you doing? What is this I'm hearing? Oh, woe is me. What? What? Seriously? You guys are sleeping with the women who are coming to the temple, the tabernacle. Oh, no, 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 no. You're doing what? You're taking the best pieces of the meat you're not satisfied with your allotment from God. You're just oppressing the people and being greedy. Oh, my son, don't you know? It's dangerous. Please, don't do it. I heard it last Tuesday and Saturday today. You're still doing it. When are you going to stop? Excuse me for a moment while I take care of my priestly duties. I'll come back to have a word with you boys. Do you understand me? No TV today. God have mercy. The fear of God, if Eli had it, would have removed them from office immediately and told them, God's going to kill you. Do you understand me? And when you're in hell, don't think I'll be crying for you. Because you have taken it upon yourself to blaspheme God's name, defile the priesthood, all the holy calling He's given you. Brought in demons. I won't have any of it. 
It's the last warning for you. I don't care if God brings fiery serpents to bite you or people stone you. I'll be on God's side I'm warning you. He failed to do that. He loved pleasure. Loved convenience. Let me just sit on my chair. Excuses. I'm old and I can't see. 98 years old. God, please give me a break. They know what to do, Lord. We need to know who it is that's speaking to us from the Word of God and why He cries so loudly in our ears. Because many, many people who profess Christ are in hell, going to hell. Notice, the operative word is profess, not possess. They really don't have Jesus ruling on the throne of their hearts. That's why bingo can come in. And even the church building where we're renting. Let me say it forthrightly. And Daniel was working the other day with Eddie and Talia. Through the night to the next morning. I just took a walk up. As I was praying and preparing. Other things God had me for. While trying to get a little rest with no sleep previous day I went into the building and I walked up to the second floor I saw a beautiful chapel it's called the upper room easily fit 120 people I just walked there in the dark and I was praying on the grounds outside the church especially after what I saw it's not really a surprise but I walked into that upper room notice upper room we know that from Acts chapter 2. Or at least chapter 1. Or Luke's gospel. A place that we equate with sanctification and a mighty visitation from God. At least in the fellowship they had in the name of the Lord, if not at Pentecost. I just walked in and I saw a board game right there at the entrance of this chapel upstairs. The Dr. Laura game. It's a church. An upper room. Rich history. Such a privilege. Access to resources. To set the city on fire. Port Jervis on fire. I don't know too much about that individual, but I've I believe I've heard enough over the years that it's not something godly that would come out of that individual, Dr. Laura. A game with her name and her wisdom, quote-unquote. Who knows what else is there? Does anybody have a conscience? But I want to say this, not to look down on that church of the people there, in the spirit-filled so-called places, they may do just the same or worse. Why? Too many Eli's and too many children in the church, young men and deacons and deaconesses and prophets and prophetesses, pastors, 
who were willingly blind, living for their belly, serious gluttons, living for pleasure. Why not have Jesus? It's popular. I wonder how many people, as I often have said and thought, take a cross-section of evangelical Christianity, even spiritual people, quote-unquote, put them in the Middle East or somewhere, like Pakistan. See how much evangelical fervor they have, whether they can hold up any Christianity whatsoever. Faith and love, even in the human domain, will only be seen for what it is when it is tested. How much more before the Lord of hosts? This mother, I love that mother. As David said, I'm a lover of good men. People who love God, there's an affinity, there's an attraction. Soul to soul. You know why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that makes us have the same desire. What is it? To honor God, to love God, to love people. How do you know you love God? You live the truth. How do you know you love people? You tell them the truth. Because you care. How much more our own children? This woman, beautiful woman of God, told her son the truth. Don't give your body, your emotions, to the gutter, to demons. Because demons will come through the attraction for the opposite sex. Make you think it's your own feelings setting you up for a slaughter. How many of us can testify this morning? We've been spared from that by the grace of Almighty God. Who knows how many diseases we might have contracted if we'd have fell for certain things. Who knows whether we'd be in hell right now. Who knows how many people would have died because of some evil love triangle or whatever. How many children would be abused because of an improper relationship in the home? No commitment to marriage. How many people we've heard, boyfriends and girlfriends, cruelly destroying the lives of little ones, even babies, because they're not their own. The godly mother says to the king, who could possibly set up his adventures, evil adventures, in such a manner that he can probably cover it for a while. But she's too wise. She would have already and always conveyed to him, as we heard from Proverbs 28 again last evening, the one who covers his sin, no matter who you are, who we are, will never prosper. But the one who confesses this is wrong no more and forsakes it will have mercy, find mercy. Why is drinking wrong? Any believer that would ask me that, I'd probably first say, did you ever think to ask God before you ask me? 
Oh yeah, I prayed about it and I feel... No, no, no. Many people pray. Are your prayers founded on the Word of God? Did you consult the Bible? People have the audacity to say, I don't see anything wrong with it in the Bible. That's the end of conversation right there. Because you're lying to yourself. But if you really want to know, let's go to the Scriptures. And here's one case in point. God says it will destroy you. Other Proverbs say a fool does that. They don't even feel what's happening to them. They're being destroyed even in the process of drinking and having that hangover. Here it's very direct to the king. Verse 5, lest they drink and forget the law and what it decrees and pervert the justice do any of the afflicted. She said, you're going to turn out to be a fool and not a king if you give yourself to drink. And she says, uh, you know who is supposed to drink that, O Lemuel? My dear child, my son, my king. Give strong drink to him who is ready to pass away and wine to him in bitter distress of heart. Is the person that's not right that should probably go after that? It's not a command or something approved, but if anybody's going to drink, it's the one who's not doing well. You know why? Because tomorrow we die, according to their philosophy. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his want and misery no more. Is that the case? Is it true that you can really forget or is it just a temporary amnesia while you're getting pain and you're getting afflicted? Well, the latter is true, we know. Nobody's problems go away when they drink. They just lose their ability to rationally assess the danger they're in and they go right into danger. How many people have thought that I can just drink a little sip? Look at how tiny this vial is. It ended up in an accident and died. We know that all too well in our society. Why is it then there's a debate in the church? And in the name of Christian liberty, people continually argue and say, don't judge me and their hearts are not right. That's why. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his want and misery no more. Open your mouth for the dumb or those unable to, sp unable to speak for themselves. The weak, the afflicted, the oppressed for the rights of all who are left desolate and defenseless. She's saying, how can you do that? You're supposed to be a king. Open your mouth, judge righteously and administer justice for the poor and needy. We're going to stop with a section right here. Already we see that this is a woman as the rest of it has to do with a virtuous woman. She's a wise woman. Again, we are not King Lemuel, brother and sister on the call this morning. You are actually at a higher status than that earthly king with reference to his earthly power and jurisdiction and privileges. How? So Reuben mentioned. It's not a mother talking to us. It's our Heavenly Father, Almighty God. What does he say? You're a chosen generation. 
I can go down the call, people on the call today. I can mention all of our names and say you by name. You're chosen. That means you've been separated from the crowd by Almighty God. Hallelujah. Not for destruction. Glory be to God. But to represent Him. What a privilege. Now, as a king, royalty, as a priest, in the Old Testament, not only kings were warned, but priests. Way back in Leviticus, they were not to defile themselves or lose judgment with strong drink. They're to minister with all their faculties in place, wholly dedicated to God. How can we live in this world? How can we do what God's called us to do? Unless we are able to think straight. And God said, that physical substance, that fruit of the vine that is fermented, will make you not be able to judge properly. Don't have anything to do with it. Jesus turned the water into wine. He would not produce something to impair the judgment of his people. The Old Testament records, including Roman historians, they have chronicled. There's a type of wine that was very popular. It was very sweet, but unfermented. Anybody can read the scripture any way they like. The conclusions that one comes out with would have to be assessed by what the Lord told his enemies, the religious hypocrites. He said, wisdom is justified of all her children. Wisdom, like a mother, is shown to be right. You know how? By the way the children turn out. So if somebody says something foolish and supports getting drunk or even social drinking or being a little loose, as long as it's a Christian boyfriend and girlfriend, it's okay. After all, you're going to get married. You can do this, you can do that and Uncle Bob says this and the pastor says this and I feel this and my girlfriend says this, my boyfriend says this. million different standards. But what does God say? What do you want after all? Do you know the human heart? When you analyze it, finally, we want to be loved and we want to love. We're made for that. Isn't that right? That's all. That's everything right there. Within that context, there's industry and and doing things with what God has given us into our hands, our abilities, but everything tempered and, and controlled by agape love, God's kind of love, which comes from His truth, His revelation. There's no love, agape, phileo, or eros, in a marriage bed, undefiled, that can ever be consummated and experienced to the full as with a man and woman who are children of the Most High God experiencing that in the right way. This is what the world really longs for but they end up looking for love in all the wrong places and the devil just damages them in generations. If God has everything good we ought to tell our children 
just like we have learned ourselves. Some of us very late, but we learned. Hallelujah. You want love, don't you? You want to experience everything to the full the way God intended, don't you? God has a plan. Stick to that plan. All will be well. No regrets. As we close, the instruction given by the mother, the godly mother, was given to a king, her son. We are a kingdom of priests. We are also priests unto God. Every brother, sister, male and female is a priest unto God. God said so. He had the Levitical priesthood for males, but he has come and said, in Christ there is no male nor female. The identity remains, but the restrictions to experience the fullness of God and to minister to Him, there is no restriction anymore. God Himself says, and He never said in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, He never said, but you, men of Asia Minor, all the deacons, the presbyters, the old men and the young men, all you men, my wonderful royal priesthood, you, men are my chosen generation, the women are just accessories, they tag along, and whatever they can get, let them get a little bit of bread here and there from the table, but I'm interested in the men, no, God says, everybody, but you, who? The people of God, male and female. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. For what purpose? For what purpose? That you may show forth the praises. Proclaim it all up and down the land. In your family, on your job, everywhere the Spirit of God gives the impulse to do it. We do it because we know who we are in Christ and He's our King. We'll honor Him anywhere, everywhere, all the time. The purpose is to praise Him. Notice this. The one who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. How's the lighting in the bars? When do most sins and hideous acts happen? Of course, in the dark. Spiritual darkness is all over the land, even as we see the daylight. Those of us who are on the side of the world where it's morning, I have very bright sunshine coming in here. But there's darkness on the majority of people, gross darkness, spiritually. We've been taken out of that. From what? Immorality and dissipation. Self-indulgence and Gluttony, vain pleasures. If we were to just stop right here and take a pen and paper or pencil and write down how many things you were involved in. I was involved in growing up, in my mind at least, because I thought from the TV I saw and different things even the, it's just a little is enough. 
start messing with your mind. As I said, I didn't come from a very spirit-filled home, but it was enough to have some fear of God. But I wish there was more, and we have the opportunity to have more. Hallelujah. The church that I went to was liberal. I didn't know. Not liberal in a good sense, in a bad way. I began to search as a teenager. There's got to be more. And I went all over the place, and God met me. But can you catalog how many things you were involved in? Full of darkness? Now, can we not be clear on what is darkness and say no more of that? There's no middle ground. I'm in the light. And you cannot be wise kings, queens, princes and princesses in the kingdom of God, ruling our own households, our own bodies, whoever's under our care, giving them the instruction if we're given to immorality and ferment to drink. And that is symbolic of every spiritual adultery and every spiritual dissipation. You can just take that principle and examine your life and see where there's waste, where there's perversion, where there is not only distraction, but destruction of your faculties to think straight. What are your associations and how do you spend your time and with what? Is there an opening somewhere that the devil has a, if not a stronghold, a toehold, a foothold? God is giving us the word to say, you function like my king, my queen, my prince, my princess. You're too valuable. Your calling is too high. Don't think sloppily anymore. Don't you listen to anybody who gives you the word in a diluted way. Know when the devil is speaking through some preacher or some Christian, quote-unquote. Know which direction is headed. Don't have anything to do with it. Let the militancy of the Holy Spirit, the hostility rise within, not to choke that person physically, but to get angry at the devil and the spirit that they're deceived by, trying to get to you. Bind that evil spirit. Get away from there. Pray that the person's eyes will be open. God will open eyes. We're in the midst of a revival. But it largely depends on where we are spiritually. We are priests unto God. God says for you and for me, although the scripture says men everywhere, it's obvious women are included too. When we look at the whole of scripture, we're to lift up what kind of hands? sanctified hands, holy hands. In the comic books, I remember in certain kids' films with the heroes, when you see energy or some superpower in the fists of the individual, you'll see the artist or the producer put these flames or something to uh, depict that aura. Some latent energy right there. It's bubbling, it's sizzling. Do you know, beloved, when you take a photograph, you don't see a halo on your head or in your hands. I want to tell you something. There's a great power and glory resting upon your head. If you are a priest unto God, and if you're born again, you are. Hallelujah. God said so right here in 1 Peter 2.9. If you're born again, God says, you are royalty. You have the glory of Almighty God resting upon you. Hold it in a sanctified manner. 
Let the truth do its work. Be firm in the truth. So you can save the people who think they're saved and they're not. Wake them up. And the world will know the standard also. There will be no fuzziness and confusion. We don't want to be like the Pharisees whom the Lord charged with being a twofold, or I should say, a worse hypocrite. While they didn't do what God said, and they added to and subtracted from what God said, the people, just the masses, you know, I go to church, this is my leader, we're going to do this and that, and well, that's what they said, the church said so. And the Lord said, you know, you're feeding the people tradition, not my word. I'm going to hold you responsible. Whitewashed tombs, corrupt bones inside. Do you know what else he said? He said, you know, while you're doing that, you're also actively evangelizing. You're looking all over. You're encompassing sea and land to do what? Make converts. You end up making them a twofold son of hell than you are. The Lord Jesus said that. You can read in Matthew 23. We need to know the scriptures. To know exactly how God feels and what he's saying. So we don't end up like that. That's why he says it. Not so we can be historians and say, well, this is the Pharisee, this is the Sadducee, they lived here, this is the first temple period, second, temp second, te second temple period, these are the words of Jesus, and this is how they reacted, look at that drama, how do you like that, look at what Jesus said. No, it's written for me not to end up like the people that the Lord had to condemn. He condemned them, yes he did. He didn't come to condemn the world, but those who are hypocrites, he condemns. Because they condemn themselves already, they don't want the truth. We are kings and priests. How can we function if we're not able to think straight? If we're not sanctified? Can a priest ever go? They're not even supposed to sweat in there. Look how carefully they had to go into the temple. They had to make sure the garments were clean, they bathed, all these things. God showed, I'm not like you think I am, like you. That's because God is holy. He's not pretending, He's not oppressing. He's something way other than we can imagine. And it takes the Holy Ghost to come into us, to help us to tune ourselves to heaven, to understand what, God, what kind of God we're serving, who He is. And then we do what? We conform to His ways, not to the world, not to our own thinking. With that, as a king and priest unto God, Mighty revival will happen through you, unmitigated, unhindered. Isn't that what we want? We don't want just revival for a few days and a convocation, a week, we had a great time and a blast, let's go back. We want continuous revival. It can occur unmitigated, unhindered. Like a dam that's been broken loose. The flood of heaven coming by the Spirit of God in a sweeping revival everywhere. He wants to use you. Remember, you and I are kingdom of priests unto our God. A chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a treasured people of God. Conduct yourselves. I must conduct myself as royalty. Not snobbishly looking down on people as the world's royalty do, but with tender love, but with truth in my life, in the hidden heart, 
the hidden parts of the heart. My decisions, I want my thinking to be sharp. I do want to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Shall we pray? Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord, for your truth. Oh, Father, thank you. Your truth is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless, reviving the soul. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray that you'd help us to process everything you've shared, Lord. You've spoken. That it can be implemented in our lives. And we need to come to your feet, Lord. Not only corporately, but Lord, we need to sit at your feet privately, personally. Say, Lord, Lord, amplify this for me, my Father, till it's in my very bones. And I want to convey the fear and the love of God, the truth as it is, to my children like this godly mother of Lemuel did. Lord, I want my generation not to have a curse, but a blessing. Oh, Father, help us to say that and believe it. To take action. By coming to your feet, Lord. Bearing our hearts. Saying, Lord, help me to be clean inside and out. And fill me, Lord, with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word. In Jesus' name I praise you.